Welcome to Category 5 Technology TV, episode number 406 for Tuesday, the 30th of June, 2015. Nice Yay. to see you. Hello. I am Robbie. I'm Kelsey. Tonight we have some amazing questions, but none so amazing as one from Dennis Kelly, which has led us to tonight's feature. We're going to do some pretty neat artsy-fartsy stuff with the GNU Image Manipulation Program, a free alternative to Adobe Photoshop. I'm very excited for this. It's going to be good. Should we start? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just seeing if she would take her cue. She didn't. So I'm going to throw over to the newsroom. Over to you, Sasha. Hey, everybody. Here's what's coming up in the Category5.tv newsroom. A computer museum in the UK is looking for someone to fix and maintain BBC microcomputers from 1981. One of Google's autonomous cars cut off a competitor's, a competitor's autonomous car while driving in California. Rocksteady Studios has pulled the PC version of Batman Arkham Knight due to stability and performance issues. And two Uber France executives have been taken into police custody in Paris as a part of an ongoing investigation into the company's low-cost Uber pop service. And importantly, Disney has officially banned selfie sticks from its theme parks. Stick around. The full details are coming up later in the show. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Starring Sasha Dermatis. Hillary Rumble. Krista Wells. Eric Kidd. And your host, Robbie Ferguson. Welcome to Category 5 Technology TV. Robbie Ferguson. Kelsey Jensen. Hey! So, there was a joke right off the top of the show that we missed. And and Sasha was saying there, you know, we've got some fudge that she brought in. In celebration of Canada Day, we've got the maple fudge. And you could just have some if your nerves are, you know, giving you a hard time. But then I suggest you might curl up in the back <laughs> corner, covered in fudge yeah. at that point. Yeah. That was my fault. I'm Today sorry. is Leap Second Day. Yes. It's the leap second, folks. So you've wanted us to extend the show. We've got lots of viewer questions. So today, we're, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. We're going to extend the show by exactly one second. Yay. <laughs> and what we're going to do during that time, we just don't want the whole thing to fall apart. So we just got to compensate. I'm pretty sure we already took that one second in that silence between you at the beginning of the show. That, that awkward was, silence? That, that was, was your, our second? That was your one second. Oh. Guys, sorry. I didn't, didn't mean to waste it on you. Sorry. I hope it was good. hope it was good. Of course, Category 5 is a member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Cat5.tv slash TPN and the International Association of Internet Broadcasters, cat5.tv slash IAIB. All right. Hey, uh, happy Canada Day or Independence Day. Whatever or it is. Children's Day. Children's Day in Pakistan. Um, it's not just 
Independence Day in the United States, but also in Somalia, Burundi, Rwanda. In fact, Wikipedia tells us that July 1st is celebrated all around the world for various reasons. Doctor's Day in India. Armed Forces Day in Singapore. Emancipation Day in Ketikoti and Netherlands Antilles. I have no idea what that is. Uh, International Tartan Day in Australia. Tartan Day. In Australia and New Zealand. Nice. Republic Day in Ghana. Territory Day in the British Virgin Isles. We've got some friends in Ghana, so I was just yes. thinking about that. What else happens on July 1st? It's the Communist Party of China Founding Day in China. That's awkward. Happy July 1st, everybody. Happy July 1st, whatever you're celebrating. Yes. Happy Canada Day. We got the fudge. We do have the fudge. Maple fudge. How <gasps> Canadian is that? So so Canadian. Last, last week we had a question. Are you on Patreon? And now we are. We, we weren't, but we are now, right? So if we go back to your questions, do it all over again. We're on Patreon. It's the coolest thing. Um, imagine a, a platform unlike any other crowdfunding platform. Thing. Crowdfunding, you think about Kickstarter, Indiegogo, where you're hoping that something will come to fruition so you contribute in order to see it come to fruition. Now, I've contributed to some things on Indiegogo and none of them have come to fruition. So it's kind of disappointing. Yes. Um, Category 5 did an Indiegogo campaign where we raised funds to get Studio D. And we didn't raise enough funds to renovate our garage, so we rented this cool space. Yeah. So Studio D happened, just not quite in the way that we had planned. Yes. So, you know, there's something to be said for that. Now, there's this cool thing called Patreon, and it works completely backwards to those kinds of scenarios, where when content is being provided, you're helping to fund the development of that content. So something like Category 5 Technology TV, which releases one episode per week, uh, you can pitch in a dollar. That's it. Not too bad. A buck. That's so if 300 people pitch in a buck. Per episode. That's 300 bucks. If 1 billion people pitch in one dollar. We'll be rich. We will send you a dollar. No, that's, that, that's kind of the idea behind Patreon. Uh, Patreon. Uh, you become a patron of the show, and it's really a unique way to support us. So uh, head on over to patreon.com, and I'll spell it out for you. I'm going to bring it up on my computer screen here. So patreon.com, just like that. Nice and easy to find us. Their search works really, really well. All you have to do up at the top of the site here is type in Category 5. And there it is. Yeah. So there we go. So a buck per episode. Go ahead and pitch it in. We, you see now we've got four pat- patrons already. And between those four, they've decided to contribute $14 per episode. So that makes an enormous difference yes. here at Category 5. Now, you know that we it's July 1st tomorrow. And what that means to us is that our one-year lease has come due. So... Um, those of you who follow the Studio D build project, you know, you know this is a monumental um, yes. time for us because July 1st marks now we are 
uh, we have really real expenses. We've got our insurance to cover. We've got our internet and our studio space. And we really appreciate you standing by us and helping, uh, helping us get there. Um, so not only do we have our expenses, but we also want to upgrade and we want to make the show as good as we possibly can. We've yeah. got hopes to be able to bring in some really cool devices to review, which costs money. We've got to be able yes. to afford those devices mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. So it's a really cool way to, to help us out. A buck an episode. And that's patreon.com. And of course, we've got a link for it at donate.category5.tv to make it nice and easy for you as well. And of course, it's now in the chat room too, so you can check that out there if you're there. Yeah, and thanks to those, uh, the four who have already. Um, this is the first time we've mentioned it on air. Um, very cool that four people have already stumbled upon it through our Twitter post or maybe yeah. Facebook and decided to, to become patrons of the show. And uh, I, I really think that's going to make a big difference, and yes. that, I really appreciate that. So we'll see how it goes over the next little while, and thank you for supporting us through that uh, Patreon. Yeah. We've got lots of new things coming up. The Nature Sounds of Ontario has released another episode. Yes. Woo. If you're into, yeah, I like to listen to... You know, birds chirping and ocean waves and or lake waves, I guess. Um, when I'm working hard, uh, do you? Yeah. Yeah. See, it's a it's a fifty fifty. Maybe you like it, maybe you don't. So if you like it, go to nature.category5.tv. If you don't like it, don't go there. Ooh. But we've got a new episode this week, which is uh, heavy rain over the lake in Halliburton, Ontario. That sounds pretty. And we've uh, recently introduced uh, video as well. So there is full HD video incorporated into the audio. And it's, it's uh, recorded in binaural audio. So if you put on a pair of headphones, this is cool. It's surround sound. So you can hear the birds flying around. I was listening to the waves, uh, to the water one just this morning. And um, I heard a bird fly right in front of me. It was really cool. <laughs> That's how binaural audio works. So it's a little bit different than just your traditional stereophonic sound. Um, so you want to check that out. It's nature.category5.tv. You can also download the full quality wave files, MP3 files, the video, all that kind of stuff there as well. Cool. cool. Uh, I know we've got tons and tons of questions to get into, so we're just going to jump right into it. Don't forget, if you haven't already done so, send us a postcard. Our address is on our website, category5.tv. Uh, we are waiting for the next four people to send in a postcard, and they will receive a free set of vinyl logo stickers which are pretty awesome i must say extremely awesome do you see can you see on the back of the computer see we've got a black laptop and it has the category 5 logo there that is our premium vinyl sticker and they, it also comes uh, in a dark version so that it will work on a silver laptop or the back of your sports sedan yes and so on all right our first question comes to us from sparkly balls Honestly, probably my favorite. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, look at what you've done. I just, I think that's so funny. I, I, anyways. You guys with your nicknames. Anyways, move along. Um, Nothing to see here, folks. <laughs> Nothing to see here. His question is some of the Uniraid <laughs> users. Have been asking how to, how, to, how to view the live show using some of the dockers we have available so okay. we can watch on our TVs. Is that possible via plugin if necessary with any of these programs? MB, Plex, Myth TV, or Servilo? Hmm. Okay, so Unraid uh, version 6 is out and supports Docker apps and uh, our containers. And I, I'm not 
too familiar with. Like, I'm not a Docker coder. Um, I'd love to work with somebody who is to make it so that we have some way to tune into the show through that. Uh, I'd be happy to provide any kind of feed that you need in order to do that. As far as how we source our video, so no, there is no out-of-the-box de facto, yes, it will work on such-and-such platform, Uh, but we offer RSS feeds. We offer... um, well, I guess that doesn't work for live. For live, you need to have our um, direct live feed, which we do offer HLS, so that should be compatible um, in order to, to do it. But there's nothing in place to do it right now. We would need somebody to code that for us. So let us know if you're interested, and I'd love to see that happen. And, of course, if you've got a browser on there, then you can just bring up the, the browser window, go over to live.cat5.tv, and that'll bring it up do that our next question comes to us from scott hey scott he says one of my main problems with linux with linux is the device drivers i have worked in computers for 20 years however i have not figured out linux drivers since i work mainly with windows and only dabble with linux how do you view installed drivers remove remove old ones and install new drivers any examples of resources you could give pertaining to this would be greatly appreciated Okay, so uh, first of all, and this is going to get a little bit geeky right now, all right? So hang tight there, folks. Um, Scott, first of all, Windows refers to your device drivers as device drivers. Now, Linux is a modular operating system, so when we talk about modules, we're actually talking about device drivers. So when you see modules in Linux, that is a device driver. I just realized I just pulled... Captain Kirk. And so as a modular operating system, Linux boots with a very minimalistic kernel out of the box when it boots. It detects what is needed and then it loads the necessary modules, device drivers, and um, loads what's needed, right? Right. Um, You can add third-party modules and load those yourself. um, And that's cool. I use a couple myself. But let's, let's take a quick boo on how this can be done. So I'm going to bring up a terminal window on my computer here. Um, You've got a root terminal, which is kind of nice because then you don't have to type sudo, but it's also more dangerous, so I'm just going to use a normal terminal window just for the sake that, hey, that's what most people are going to see. So there's a couple of different commands that we can touch on. First of all, um, let's look at what we see in uh, proc. So if I go cat proc modules this is a file that actually has within it all of the modules that are loaded kernel modules on my system so i can i can nano that if i want to see it a little bit closer there it is it's it's basically to me it's like a file right so these are drivers don't edit it uh, these are dri- uh, drivers or modules that are loaded in my system there's a nice little tool that will help you to look at that a little clean uh, cleaner and you, you need to use super user do, so sudo. And then you can type lsmod, which is basically list modules. Enter your password. And that just parses proc modules in a way that's a little bit easier to understand. So these are the modules that are loaded on my computer. So you see there's my NVIDIA module or driver, for example. So if I want more information about this, I can actually use another tool and grab the name of the driver. So I said there's one called NVIDIA. 
So I think it's mod info. If I type sudo mod info NVIDIA, yeah, there it is. So this gives me more information about that, including the actual file location of the KO file for that particular module, AKA driver. Okay. So if I wanted to remove a module, now I could type mod probe dash R and then foo, where the foo is the name of the module that I want to remove. Uh, if I wanted to add a module, I would type just simply mod probe foo or NVIDIA. Or if I want to remove NVIDIA, dash R NVIDIA. I wouldn't recommend doing that though. <laughs> Probably not in this particular instance. Now you notice that one of the things that I didn't do was sudo, which is necessary in order for this command to actually take effect. So beyond that, um, you, you may want to look at the man pages for these different commands. Uh, Linux has a really cool way to, uh, to give you the manuals. And that's simply, all right, let's get, delete that. So we can just type man and then the name of the command. So if you're really interested in learning about ModProbe, for example, you can look at the actual manual. This is an, uh, a text manual of how ModProbe works. Of course, a quick search in your favorite search engine is also going to help you find what you're looking for. And you can type man. What other commands did I give you? Mod info. And there's all the information there, right? So it tells you how that works. And I use the down arrow to move down, up arrow to move up, and then to quit, just press Q. Pretty simple. So, uh, but yeah, you just got to get your head around what's kind of different about how Linux and Windows uses your hardware. It's not really all that complicated once you, once you kind of get it. Oh, and one other thing is it, I mentioned um, at the beginning of answering your question about um, custom modules. So these are ones that you've installed separately that are not actually kernel modules. When I say kernel module, what I mean by that is um, your Linux kernel contains a lot of drivers but only loads them when they're needed if you have that particular hardware. There are so many different ways that you can look at it. I mean, LSPCI is another good one for you. Um, so if we, for example, type sudo LSPCI-verbose, that's going to give us a verbose list. Dash V is for verbose. That's going to give us a verbose list with more information about the drivers and the things that are loaded onto our computer. Um, but from there, what was... What was the last thing I wanted to say? Sorry. I just, I just threw my, my head around. Some, I, somehow <laughs> I sidestepped there. So I thought, LSPCI, that's another good one. But anyways, that, that gives you a, a good head start, I think, yeah. where you can start looking. Oh, the module, custom modules. Sorry. You're supposed to pay attention. <laughs> so that you can, oh, you were going to show us custom modules, Robbie. Why, thank you, Kelsey. <laughs> Okay, custom modules, ones that I've installed separately, are going to be found in a folder called libmodules. So if I go there and do an ls, you see I've got two, and one of them is the kernel 3.2. That's like a whole bunch of random stuff. So if I cat modules.aliases, yeah, that's like a whole bunch of kernel modules. Okay, so that's kernel based stuff. Um, R1Soft, on the other hand, is HCP. What is that? HCP. What did that stand for again? It was from a demonstration when we... Hot copy, I think? I think that's hot copy. Yeah. That would be the kernel driver. That would be the module for hot copy. 
So refer back to that episode with Eric where we talked about uh, one of the great tools for Linux backups, but unfortunately it's not compatible with newer kernels. So that's dead. Oh, well. Right. Now you know. Hope that helps, Scott. Our next question is from <laughs> Dennis Kelly. Hey, Dennis. He wants to know, can this picture be done? All pictures can be done. Yay! They have been done, so I would have to say that there is no way they could not be done. That would not make any sense. No. Okay, let's take a look at this actual picture. That Now, I don't know what the rights are here, so disclaimer, this was sent to us by Dennis Kelly. I will show it for less than 30 seconds. So this is a picture that is a woman's face, hands, and some texturization. So I see three layers here, Kelsey. Yes. I see the face. I see the hands. That's her hair. Looks like blonde hair, maybe. Uh, and then there's some texturization. See the paint splatters at the bottom, and looks like all kind of throughout, and some crackling. Like maybe a tree? Flowers? Is that what we're going for? Maybe. It's artistic. Sure. It's interesting. So how do we actually do that? So let's, let's do this. You ready? Yes. Okay. Stay with me here, camera guy. Gosh. All right. Okay, so first of all, Dennis Kelly and those who are interested, what we need to do, and you are my lovely assistant, so I've got some, uh, some dollar store Bristol board here. and Real high budget here, guys. I know. It's like a dollar. <laughs> so what we need to do is we need to set this up at about your height, so about 14 feet. Uh, if you could tape that up, there's tape right there, right next to you. Oh. Right there, yeah. There we go. She's, as she's taping this up. So what we need here, Dennis, is a solid background. So white works well. We've only got black Bristol board, so it's okay because we can use inversion in order to turn black into white. Stay on the thing. Ready for it? Almost. Sorry, I didn't realize she was going to take this long. <laughs> there. I didn't want to stay up. <laughs> okay. okay. Okay, ready? Yes. Okay, so you're there. So let's get a shot of her face. Lovely. There we go. Okay, we got that one. Now, what she's doing in this picture here is kind of has the hands in kind of a, like you were doing a shadow puppet, like a... Like the doll, like, like the this bird. kind of idea. The bird. Yeah, something like that. So I, I think that you should take off your watch because oh, that's yeah. going to throw things off because what we're working with here is contrast. We've got black background, solid black. We've got your white skin, and so there's, there's a solid contrast there. Yeah. As soon as we introduce something like pink, th th it, we're not sure it's going to be somewhere in the gray spectrum when we desaturate yes. that. So if you can get your hands up there, and then I'm going to take a shot. Sorry for bumping my mic here. Like that. And I think we've got it. All right. Perfect. Look at Yay. that. Yay. Okay. So we've got all that we need there. I'm just going to have to throw this into the computer to walk amongst yourselves because I have to unmic myself. I will take that down now because we All don't right. need that anymore. Didn't even know Robbie had this in here. Hiding. Born? Yeah. I didn't even see that. There we go. Okay, so we're going to transfer those files over and uh, get into the news in just a couple of moments' time. And what we're going to try to do is, live on the air here, Dennis, we're going to try to emulate, simulate a very similar kind of effect with yes. that, uh, as that image. But we're going to use your face, your hands, mm -hmm. and then we're going to go from there. 
So, Sasha, if you're ready, we're going to jump oh. over to the Category 5.tv <laughs> newsroom. Oh, geez, Louise, I was not ready. Hold you're not on. ready? Okay. No, well, no, I was just chatting in the chat room, you know, food stuff. Welcome to the show. Uh, by the way, uh, <laughs> nice to see everybody joining us in the chat room. I'm buying you time. You see, you like okay, how I'm I do good that? Now. I'm good, good. Uh, nice to see you joining us in the chat room. We've got viewers joining us from all over the world tonight. Want to say hi yes. to Sepson. Maybe you can take those while I'm transferring these over. Um, we've also got Dog Mint, Sparkly Balls, Chris Tronick, Bon Eel Inel. I'm really sorry. I'm going to butcher this completely. I'm, I'm not bad. I'm not that good. Um, You're nut. great. Okay. <laughs> Wire Nut, Troll, Galways, Beager, CHBMB, Spy Dog. I have to say it that way. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds hipper. Oh, yeah. CYJO, GeoKuzi64. <laughs> <laughs> you guys and your aliases here. Uh, Nate from Arizona, and N8 from AZ. Brinso99, and Kevfori. Nice. And. That is it. Very good. Well, thanks for uh, joining us and for registering on our website. Category5.tv is where you go, and uh, it's absolutely free to register. Sign up on our website. 110% free. (laughs) So we're going to jump over to the newsroom if you're ready over there, Sasha. Sure am. (laughs) It's Tuesday, June 30th, 2015, and here are the stories we're covering this week. Know how to fix 30-year-old computers? Your skills are in high demand at a museum in the U.K., Google is cutting off the competition, literally. Batman, Arkham Knight, has been pulled from the PC, at least for now, and refunds are being offered to those who have purchased it. Following last week's sometimes violent protest in France by legitimate taxi drivers, two Uber executives have been taken into police custody. And selfie sticks are no longer allowed at Disney theme parks. These stories are coming right up. Don't go anywhere. You've got mad skills. Now hone them. Learn new skills or improve your existing ones with online video tutorials and training from lynda.com through our special link at cat5.tv slash lynda. Learn software, technology, creative, and business skills you can use today to help you achieve your professional goals. Join today and start learning. We'll give you this chance to try it absolutely free with unlimited access to all of the courses. Sign up now for free, cat5.tv slash linda. I'm Sasha Dermatis, and here are the top stories from the Category 5.tv newsroom. The 8-bit BBC Micro was launched in 1981 and gave many people their first taste of home computing. Now, a public appeal for people who can repair BBC microcomputers has been launched by the National Museum of Computing. They need help to maintain the stock of BBC machines that they use in educational programs and exhibits. They're looking for people familiar with the computer and its peripherals, including monitors and disk drives. Many times a week, school groups visit this exhibit to find out about the social history of microcomputers and to get a taste of what machines could do in the days before tablets, smartphones, and laptops. The museum, which is located on the Bletchley Park Estate, has about 80 BBC microcomputers. I wonder what they would pay. I, I would maybe even like log on to lynda.com. 
Yeah, learn how to, to fix a BBC computer and then move to the Bletchley Estates. Let's well then. Right. How much will you how much are you offering? Exactly. That's the question. That's the question. <laughs> Maybe it's a deal you can't pass up. Ooh. All right. A rare meeting between two self-driving cars, one made by Delphi Automotive and one by Google, resulted in Delphi's car taking evasive action. The robot cars met on a Californian road in Palo Alto. The vehicles involved were conventional road cars modified with lasers, radar, cameras, and other sensors to help them navigate what to do without a driver. The incident occurred as the Delphi car and Audi or Q5 crossover was preparing to change lanes. As it did, as it did so, the Google car, a Lexus RX 400h crossover, abruptly moved in front of it, forcing the Audi to abandon its maneuver. Hmm, not very polite. The Delphi car coped well with the incident and took appropriate action according to the director of Delphi's autonomous car driving unit. A Delphi spokeswoman clarified the incident saying there was nothing amiss in the encounter and its vehicle behaved admirably. (laughs) Google played down the incident saying earlier reports that the cars were involved in a near miss were inaccurate. It said the cars treated each other as they would any other vehicle and neither was in danger of colliding with the other. I don't think the danger is in collision. I think it's in hurt feelings and just being rude. (laughs) Delphi and Google's autonomous vehicles have been involved in several minor accidents and incidents during testing. However, before now, all of the accidents involved the robot cars and human-driven vehicles. It's almost, in almost all the cases, the firms have said the fault lay with human drivers. Google has created a webpage through which people can share their encounters with the cars and their impressions of how they drive, which you can find at google.com slash self-driving car. So pretty much they've programmed these cars too well because they're acting like rude drivers now. I find it hysterical <laughs> that Google's become such a big company that, they, that they'll that literally try to drive other cars off the road from, from, from different companies. Right, driving out the competition. <laughs> Isn't it the idea behind artificial intelligence, though, to try to emulate human behavior? They did it. Ah, they've pulled it off. Road rage. Ah. Wow. I wonder if it signaled its intention. Maybe the one car wasn't signaling, and that happens here all the time. How would you ever know it was to change lanes? (laughs) (laughs) Nothing nothing more to say about that. No. (laughs) Batman Arkham Knight's developers have decided to stop selling the PC version of the game because of performance problems such as crashing and freezing. Rocksteady Studios have apologized to fans and say that they're working to address these issues. Batman Arkham Knight is one of the most anticipated games of 2015. I agree, I'm anticipating it, but I don't have a PC. At the E3 gaming show in LA a couple of weeks ago, there were long queues waiting to give it a try before the release date. In a statement, Rocksteady Studios said... We want to apologize to those of you who are experiencing performance issues with Batman Arkham Knight on PC. We take these issues very seriously and have therefore decided to suspend future game sales of the PC version while we work to address these issues to satisfy our quality standards. We greatly value our customers and know that while there are a significant amount of players who are enjoying the game on PC, we want to do whatever we can to make the experience better for PC players overall. 
Rocksteady Studios have said that unhappy gamers can request a refund from the shop that they bought their game from. Some gamers are instead hoping that the problems will be patched and they'll be rewarded for their loyalty with some bonus download content. I'm going to just go out on a limb and say if they're willing to refund your money, they're probably not really quickly working on a patch. You know? I don't know. How disappointing is that for everybody who was looking forward to the game? But yeah. I, I don't know that that's the case. It's more like, let's save face and offer a, a refund so that people don't just feel bad, so leave. that I'm not bitter about it. Yeah. <sighs> and people buy their games once again. It's pretty bad, though. I mean, we're talking the game has been crashing. Like, you play for an hour and it crashes six times. <sighs> Right. Ridiculous. I mean, I play games with really slow load times, and that's frustrating enough. Sure. Then the game continues to work after the load times. I obviously die a lot in all the games I play. (laughs) (laughs) Just to reload all the time. I was playing a race car game, and it kept crashing. Because you're driving a Google car. (laughs) All right. Looked a little something like this. (laughs) Yes. Two Uber France executives have been taken into police custody in Paris as part of an ongoing investigation into the company's low-cost Uber pop service. Uber Europe CEO Pierre-Dimitri Gorkati and Uber France CEO Thibault Semphal were both taken into custody Thursday by Paris's ju- Judiciary Police. I cannot say that. Ju- you did it. You yes. got it. <laughs> Judiciary Police. <laughs> the interrogations... Come on the heels of a nationwide strike staged by French taxi unions in protest against Uber Pop, which connects users with non-professional drivers. Taxi unions allege that the service gives Uber an unfair competitive advantage because Uber Pop drivers are not held to the same regulatory requirements. French government officials have said that Uber Pop is illegal under a law passed late last year that requires all drivers to hold insurance and professional licenses. Uber Pop drivers are currently not required to hold either, but the service has been allowed to continue after Paris Appeals Court declined to rule on its legality in March. A constitutional court is expected to issue a decision on Uber Pop's legality in September. French officials have toughened their stance following the strike. France's interior minister has called on Paris police to enforce a ban on the service threatening to arrest drivers and seize cars. 200 police were deployed across Paris yesterday to patrol the streets for Uber pop drivers. San Francisco-based Uber says it has a million users in France, including 250,000 for Uber pop. Uber also operates a luxury service which is not banned. Uber has faced similar teething problems in cities all over the world, including here in Toronto, with traditional taxi drivers protesting against being undercut by the unlicensed company. But licensed taxi drivers have been criticized for being slow to adopt the app-based geolocation technology behind Uber's success. I am of two minds on the Uber situation because I understand how convenient it would be for users and drivers, but I understand it also is really hurtful to the wallets of people who are professional taxi drivers. So my idea is the professional taxi drivers do not renew your licenses and just become Uber drivers. (laughs) Saves everybody money. Save yourself thousands of euro. Exactly. I don't know if that's really a solution, Sasha. (laughs) Just don't do it again. Just go Uber. Just do it. Do it, Uber. No more taxis. Exactly. I don't know. But if it's illegal, though. 
then how is it fair that people are still allowed to continue doing it? So yeah. that they have stepped in now, put a stop to the riots and said, riots, but the, the campaigns against it and said, you know, this is actually illegal. Take but it, it's a bit of a slippery slope. Sure because, I mean, I could drive Kelsey home yeah. today and, and say, hey, I need 10 bucks for gas money. I wouldn't do that. But I could say that. I would so do that. Right? Well, according I'm to this. this for the money. It's illegal, Obviously. right? Because I'm not a licensed professional ta- taxi yeah, driver. Yeah, right. Technically, and that's how they get around it, perhaps, is you're not actually a taxi. You're right. participating in this service, which is kind of gray area. And yeah. I hear that a lot. Like, people will ask for a drive from like, one, from, like, one city to another and say, oh, I'll pay you gas money. Sure. I'll pay you money for your time. It's like, it will, is that... Would that be considered? I think that money can't exchange hands. I think that's the thing, oh, is right? That's so, how they get around it, it's right? All Uber popped or Uber. The money doesn't exchange hands. It's all done via the app. Oh, so right? are we getting around it by saying you're not paying for the taxi service? You're paying for the use of the app, right? Ah. Here's another rule. Disney has banned, has officially banned selfie sticks from its theme parks. The long arm of a selfie stick helps users take a better self-portrait, but there are fears that they could cause injury if somebody was accidentally struck with one during a photo opportunity. The gadget also poses a safety risk on rides as its long arm can extend far outside the carriage and could come into contact with the ride's mechanisms. Visitors will now be asked to leave their selfie sticks in lockers at the park's entrance to collect later. The gadgets were already prohibited on rides, but now visitors will be asked not to bring them into the park at all. The ban took effect at Disney Parks in the United States earlier today. Paris and Hong Kong will follow suit tomorrow. In response to the ban, a spokesperson for St. John's Ambulance said that the first aid charity has not actually noticed a surge in selfie stick-related injuries, nor deaths by selfie stick, and that they have advised that if you do indeed get hit in the head with a selfie stick, sit down and hold a cold compress against the injury. Oh, dear. (laughs) Can't they just add to the sign, keep hands, arms, legs, and selfie sticks inside the vehicle at all times? I just want to know where common sense has gone. Like, when did we lose common sense? You know where people say, well, why are they banned selfie sticks? I think it's all these guys with their Mickey Mouse selfie sticks that are 14 feet long. I mean, that's just goofy. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I just think, I mean, I would never, I, I go to Wonderland and I never think to even bring my camera because I'm so... Intent on having a good time. I'm yeah. not standing around taking pictures of myself. Well, and don't forget that <laughs> Wonderland is or Wonderland is less of a like big thing than Disney is. Like right. Disneyland is like this huge thing that everyone all over the world wants to go to. Wonderland is basically strictly central Ontario. There are basically 190,000 people right now thinking, "What is Wonderland?" Exactly. <laughs> oh, sorry, world. <laughs> Canada's Wonderland. You haven't heard of it? <laughs> it has a few roller coasters. It's pretty neat. Yes, we kind of also have the biggest roller coaster in Canada. I think. You know what? Do we? Well, I think that's, maybe that's maybe Disney will ban selfie sticks, and then you can rent like a drone that will hover over you and take selfie esque pictures. That makes me think they have not banned drones. Not drones. They have not banned drones. No. There, there's your solution. 
bring your drone. <laughs> <laughs> Big thanks this week to Roy W. Nash and our community of viewers for submitting your stories to us. If you found a news story that you would like to send, email it to newsroom at category5.tv. For all your tech news with a slight Linux bias, visit the category5.tv newsroom at newsroom.category5.tv. For the category5.tv newsroom, I'm Sasha Dermatis. Thanks, Sasha. This is Category 5 Technology TV, and it's episode number 406. That means there are 406 hours of back episodes available for you at our website, www.category5.tv. And now you can support us through Patreon. So head on over to patreon.com slash Category 5, and that's a really cool way to be able to support the show and catch the episodes week after week. We're looking at a pretty cool tool called GNU Image Manipulation Program. You can get it at GIMP.org. And uh, tonight we're answering Dennis Kelly's question about how can we create a picture like this. And he sent us a picture. And if I have it here, there it is. So we're going to try to do something similar to that effect. Yes. And we've got these two pictures that we just shot in the studio here. And so, Kelsey, what we're going to do is start working on this. So... We've got your hands, a la the hands. We've got your face, a la the, the face. face. All right, so there's two of the three layers that we are going to need in order to achieve this. So one of the things that I notice about this picture is that it's black and white. So we're going to keep that in the back of our mind. So first of all, let's grab the headshot. Control-A, Control-C to copy all. Control-V to paste, and then right-click, layer to new layer. Now notice what we did here, Dennis Kelly, is we made sure that we had a black background behind Kelsey, behind the hands. So that way we can now basically remove the background very, very easily. What we need to note is that it's a little bit gray because under these lights it's not a perfect black. So all we do is colors, levels, and increase the shadows. So we do that by dragging the left hand side and you'll see that the blacks are going to become a lot yeah. more black. It takes a moment for the preview to take place. Uh, I've, uh, never mind. I've got the wrong layer selected. <sighs> it makes a difference. I'm like, why is it taking so long? My computer's not that slow. But I am. <laughs> All right, levels. No, not curves. Levels under colors. Got your hands selected now. There, let's see if it's a little bit fast. Oh, yeah, ah, yeah, there, there we go. So I can tone down the shadows, make them really stark black without really affecting the hands too much. And then I can bring up the hands a little bit in the middle here. See that? So now the background is a solid black. The hands stand out quite nicely. Now I'm going to do a little trick. I'm going to go colors and invert. So now we've got this crazy thing going on because what did we want? We wanted a white background. And you can really see my beauty marks and little spots I have in my X-ray vision. <laughs> we didn't warn you about that before the show? Nope. Um, the crazy thing right now is that we've got a little bit of, um, you know, this is kind of Avatar-esque kind of going on. Yes. So there's a little trick to getting this black and white. We're going to go colors and then desaturate. And then we can just hit OK. And now we've got a black and white Whoa. of the same thing, okay? But what we haven't done is we haven't changed the actual image that we're working on to black and white. All we've done is that one layer. So now let's grab your face layer. There it is up there. And change the mode. See the mode up here? 
we're going to try, I would say probably addition is going to be what we're looking for in order to create the effect. Uh, and then I can drag your face around the hands and make it work within that. So your face, of course, is coming out really, really bright compared to uh, what we want. So we're going to change the levels on, on that as well. So colors, levels, bring it down, bring it down. And see what we're doing? Yeah. Creating a similar effect. It's not going to be exact. I wasn't the guy who, who created the original. But just to give you an idea how this, this kind of thing is done. And it's actually pretty quick. So if you want to try it, you're welcome to give it a go. Uh, so what I want to do is I want to actually make your face fill the hands a little bit better so that the hair fills the fingertips. Okay. So in order to do that, I can do one of two things. I can either make your face bigger or the hands smaller. And I'm going to make the hands smaller because that way it's not going to create any lossiness to the picture. So I'm going to click on the link there. And by lossiness, I mean it's not going to degrade the quality of the image. I'm going to make that the hand smaller. So I'm going to scale that nice and quick. Well, not really quick, but that's well, okay. Well, <laughs> my computer's not as bad as we originally thought. Let's just say that. All right, and then put the, the hands. Oh, I've grabbed the wrong layer there. So Apparently, it's, it's going to grab the foreground anyway, so I'll bring you down instead. There we go. So that's pretty cool. Okay, so now there's one other thing. Okay, first of all, let's crop this in. So notice how we've effectively removed the, uh, the background, and it's now white, perfect, bright white. Next step as we look at this image is that it is black and white, so we're going to use a different tool than the desaturate that I showed you before because we don't want to actually make it black and white. We want to just desaturate a little bit. So we're going to go hue and saturation, and now I can drag that and make it either completely black and white or have a little bit of color to it or a little less. See that? Yeah. So we've created a nice little effect there. Now the next step, there's one final thing that I notice in this original image uh, that Dennis Kelly had sent us, and that is the texturization. So these uh, paint doppels and splashes and all that kind of stuff and cracks and all those. So what we can do there is we can actually jump over. I would just jump onto Google Images is, is one place that you can go because Google Images allows us to find images that are free for commercial use if we need to use them for, you know, if, if we're going to actually publish this. Um, if you're just doing this for yourself, then I'm sure you're, you're fine to just use whatever you find. But let's just type in texture. And I should probably switch modes just in case. But yeah, Google is going to, you never know what they're going to give you, right? But there you go. We're going to see some textures there. And I'll just switch into images. And I see, yeah, a fair number of nice-looking textures that I could use. So if I wanted to use this for commercial purposes, I would go Search Tools, Usage Rights, Labeled for Reuse with Modification. Um, so let's do that because of the fact that we do have advertising around our video, so we want to be safe. Yes. And that gives me uh, a fair number, again, of images now this time that are available free for commercial use. So I kind of like that. It gives that same kind of look that we're going for. Notice the resolution is 1024 by 770, so I'm probably going to uh, have to stretch it, but it is just the texture. So I copy the image location of the full-sized image, uh, and then go back to my image and file, open location, paste it in, and that's going to actually open it right up in the GIMP. Copy it same way and paste it, create a new layer, 
And there we go. So now I'm going to have to stretch that texture so that it fills the frame. I don't need it to be um, proportional in this particular instance because it is just the texture. So I don't mind if it's lossy or grainy or whatever because I'm actually purposefully adding grain. That's yeah. what we're going for. So now that I've done that, now let's change the, uh, the mode of that layer. I can change it just by scrolling through and see if I find one that I really like. So you can get some pretty funky effects. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like your eyebrows. Yeah. They're very handy. So I saw a couple there that could work as I scroll through with my keyboard. And I would say probably... And let's move up the, uh, the texture as well, just so that it's a little bit higher. There we go. And scroll through. Turn it off. Turn it on. And you start to see that, yeah, we're getting that kind of doppling effect. It's not the same texture, so we're not getting the same kind of texture effect, but you can see in the fingers there. There it is. So it gives you an idea of how that kind of thing is created. And then we can darken, lighten using levels in order to really uh, make the image work. So I might say darken up those hands a little bit. So let's, let's do that. Colors, levels, darken them up so that you stand out a little bit more. See what happens as I darken the hands is that it actually makes the image stand out better. Yeah. Because there's less white and because we're removing white, we kind of get that similar kind of effect. So you plan out the shot so that it will work with the effects that we've learned how to use here. But basically, we're working with three different layers that we've layered on top of one another, changed the modes and the, um, the levels so that the colors work at the saturation level that we're working with. So. Hope that you enjoyed that, and I'd love to see what you come up with using those kinds of techniques, and uh, let us know how it goes. Yes. I'd love to see that. That'd be so cool. Thanks for the question, DK. Ooh, maybe we could do something like all of us inside the Category 5 logo. <gasps> Ooh. Ooh. I'd like to be the C, because my head would really <laughs> work well as a C. <laughs> if only there was an, a big O. <laughs> <laughs> somebody do that. Yeah. Somebody, somebody do it for us. Somebody do it for us. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There's your task for the week, folks. That's your homework. Next Tuesday, we will be reviewing and uh, see what you come up with. All right. <laughs> All right. Thanks for the question. Thank you very much. Uh, we should continue on with your Please, questions. Please, yeah. If All you got right. some more there. Yeah, I've got tons more here. One or two? Just, you know, a couple. This next question comes from CYJO, who is actually a new user. Hey there. Um, with reference to your moving home drive, my sudo mv home forward slash tb drive command revealed interface move failed home to tb drive unable to remove target is a directory. As a newbie, target closed down. They're out of business. Well, in Canada, at least. <laughs> Does that explain anything? Um, That's kind of how things are going. It, it, it's just when, you, when, when we read this kind of technobabble, it does come across as being a little bit technobabblish. Yes. I'm going to summarize, if I may. Yes. With reference to moving my home drive, my sudo move home to the terabyte drive command revealed inter-device move failed. 
home is uh, it says unable to remove the target. It is a directory. As a newbie, I'm completely stuck for a way forward. Can you help? Uh, from Saijo. Saijo, it sounds to me, okay, so you've got, uh, you've shared the command, sudo mv home dot dot tb. So tb is the name of the drive, the, the mount point that you've created. Mm-hmm. The problem there is that you're trying to move home, the folder, which contains your home folder, to a drive that is mounted called tb. That would be fine. However, you're leaving out a very important thing, which is dash capital R, which is recursive. So you type sudo mv dash capital R home space dot dot slash tb. And that will then go recursively through a directory because when you just do a cp or a mv, which is copy or move respectively, Mm -hmm. um, it's looking at a file. Unless you say dash R, which is basically to say go recursive, that's a directory. So move everything recursively. And if in doubt, um, similar thing can happen if you're, I presume you're booting up from a Linux live CD, you could always mount everything, bring up Nautilus, which is your my computer window, and cut home, go to TV, and paste there. But just make sure, see, there's another thing that I notice here, and it just hit me with your command. If TB is the mount point that you have mounted your new home drive to, I'm doing this a lot. I think I saw it in a movie or something, but it works. Um, If that's the drive and you're typing sudo mv home space dot dot slash TB, then what you're doing is you are, uh, even with the dash R, what you're doing is you're moving the home folder to the TB drive. So now your TB drive is going to have a folder in it called home. What you instead want to do is you want to make sure that you are actually moving the contents of that folder, not the folder itself. And that would be done by adding a slash at the end of the word home. And before you reboot, because you're going to change your FS tab, make sure that that TB drive contains the contents of your home folder. So that would be your usernames and all the recursion from there uh, and not a folder called home. If it does, go into home, so go cd dot dot slash tb slash home, and then type mv space dash r space dot slash space dot dot slash enter. And that will then take everything in the current folder, recursively move it up one level. And I'm sure you can figure that out. I'm sure you can rewind that and figure out. Yeah. Don't trust the Google closed captions. <laughs> Don't trust them. Those won't <laughs> help you. Yeah. Thanks for the question. I hope I hope it helps. Yes. Hope beyond hopes. Um, okay. Okay. So this question is from my 3K. Hey. Yeah. They they ask. I tend to keep workstations at home for a long time, and recently refreshed my Linux Mint machine to 17. My setup includes a smaller HD for the system and a slash temp partition. So HD being a hard drive. Hard drive, okay. Um, Partitions, but I have home on a second 500 gigabyte drive. Well, I have another 500 gigabyte drive that I that I think I'd like to include on this workstation, maybe as a media volume. So I'm curious how I can add this volume into my current system as something like home slash my 3ke slash media. Sure. Sasha, do you remember when we did that feature? It's interesting that now two questions today are referring back to that episode where we learned to move a Linux home folder 
to or a Linux home folder to a different drive. Yeah, which works really really well if you've got an SSD hard drive which doesn't have a lot of space and you find that you've got too much growing stuff in your home folder and you want to move it to a physical spinning drive for example but keep your OS on an SSD so it's nice and fast. That you, was a while back. That you remember was Remember that, eh? Uh, yeah, that was it in the basement studio. Yeah, studio, studio C. C. Um jeez, I wonder what episode that was. I'm just doing a quick, <laughs> quick search here search. so that I can tell you. And that, it is, it's available on linuxtechshow.com as a uh, nice little feature. It was from Season 7, Episode number 337. And that episode is uh, a great help for anyone who needs to do something like this. There it is, uh, Sasha and I in Studio C. Um, do check it out. It's, uh, I think it was a, an interesting episode, but we still, to this day, get a lot of feedback um, and people who are still using it. There are some interesting... Uh, it's interesting how some things never get old because it's Linux. The commands still remain the same. So, um, so even five years from now, ten years from now, you may be doing the exact same thing. So check out episode number 337. Mm-hmm. It's got the longevity. Um, how do we now take that concept of episode 337 and say, okay, I, I've moved my home folder. I've got three, I've got three hard drives. So I've got my OS drive. I've got my home folder drive. Now I'd like to m- maybe move my media drive, my media folder to a new drive. Perfect scenario is, hey, I just bought a four terabyte hard drive because they came down in price or they were on sale. I'm going to use that for all my videos because I need the space, mm-hmm. right? So good scenario. So it's, you're going to follow the exact same procedure as shown in episode 337, except anytime I say home, we're going to say media, right? Linux works in such a way, we'll call this a follow-up to episode number 337. Um, Linux works in such a way that a, a folder, a directory, if you're familiar with Windows phrasing, uh, a directory becomes a mount point if you want it to be, as long as there's nothing in it. Mm-hmm. So I can create a directory and then make it so that is actually a hard drive using FSTab, the, the file system table. Um, you learn about that in episode 337. Um, and pointing to the device's UUID. So, and I can also use the mount command to do it as a temporary thing to, to try it out. So basically, now I don't have a drive connected to this that I can show you, but let's say here I am in my Robbie folder. So this, in effect, is cd slash home slash Robbie, same place. So if I make a directory now in Robbie, keeping in mind that it is in my home folder, so it's actually on that other hard drive that we've already moved it to, uh, but I can create now a directory, make dir, make folder, um, called media. Now I've got this empty folder called media. It's completely empty. So I'm going to use it as a mount point. And I'm going to say mount dev or whatever. I'm going to use, I, I can test it by going dev sdb1 to media. It says only root can do that, of course. Whoop. And there we go. So now if I go into media, it's my sdb1, right? So how cool is that? So media was empty, but now it's actually, well, what happened there? I just mounted a hard drive to that folder that I created. So that hard drive can be any hard drive. Don't use the dev assignments. I did that just as a demonstration to make it quick because I knew I had an SDB1. Um, The reason that you would not use the SDB1 
in your mount point when you set it up in FSTab and you want to use what's called a, a UUID, which you would obtain with this command, sudo blkid. That gives you, there's SDB1, the label, and the UUID, so that's what I would put in my FSTab. The reason for that is SDB, SDA, all those things are dynamic. They can change. If I put in another hard drive, all of a sudden my SDA becomes SDC and my SDB becomes SDA. It's, well, I'm already confused. Right. So imagine what that would do to your FS tab when it tries to boot up and it mounts all the things in the wrong place. So we use the UUID because the UUID generally, unless you forcefully have done it, is not going to change. It's like a serial number. Mm -hmm. So that's why we do it that way. But I've just demonstrated how it can be done in a quick you know, oh, I need to try it. There you go. Thanks for the question, and uh, thanks for referring back to an old episode that seemingly still has some good info. Yeah, wouldn't think so. So 406 episodes of this thing. Yeah. And there's some that are, you know, a year, two, four, five, seven years old that are still, they still have the longevity yes. and still have some really good information there. So We're out of time. We're out of time. I gotta push that button, folks. But has it been good? It's been awesome. We've had it's some fun. Great. It's been a good time, hasn't it? Yeah, we smiled a lot. We had maple fudge, which I would send you, but the it would melt. And customs would get mad. Customs would get furious, and you would be very upset because it would just be maple syrup up on the receiving end. That would actually be not so bad. Yeah, I mean, we export so much of that stuff anyways. <laughs> What's a little bit more? Wait, I just have straws sticking in my trees, and that's that's how it works here in Canada. Yeah, pretty much. So that's how you view us, isn't it? So anyways, we've got to go play some hockey and uh, celebrate Canada Day. Tomorrow's a holiday for us, so uh, it's going to be kind of nice to just spend some time with the kids and relax a little bit. We've got fireworks in the evening if the weather holds up. It has been rainy, but no leaks in Studio D. So, well done, everybody. Good job, Robbie. All right. So, thanks to all of our volunteers who, about a year ago now, uh, started helping us to get this place up to snuff, and it's been fantastic. Here's to uh, the next year and uh, everything that we have planned for you. Don't forget, please check out Patreon, patreon.com, and uh, check out Category 5 on there, and for a buck per episode, and you can cap it if you want, you can just say a buck per month if you want. Uh, but a buck per episode, you'll be supporting the show and uh, everything that we do here, and that really, really helps us out. So have a fantastic week, everybody. Looking forward to seeing you next Tuesday night. See ya. Bye. In case I'm there. We hope you enjoyed the show. Category 5 TV broadcasts live from Barrie, Ontario, Canada, every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern. If you're watching this on demand or through cable TV, check out the local showtimes in your area at Category5.tv and find out when you can watch live and interact in the community chat room. Category 5 is a production of Prodigy Digital Solutions and is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution 2.5 Canada. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in.